Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. So welcome on to the Water Women Podcast. I am stoked that you're here today. How about you start out by introducing yourself with your full name and what pronouns you like to use? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Finn Vander R, and I use she, her, and I am a marine scientist from Ireland. And you're also like the coolest human ever. I think we need to put that in there first <laughs> also. So tell us a little bit about what you do in Ireland and as a marine scientist. For sure. So I have um, a bit of a, a mixed background, which I think I always like to chat a little bit about because I think you know, sometimes people come on and they're like, oh, I knew when I was four that I was going to be a marine scientist. And, you know, I was like taking science camps from when I was five and I was not at all. So like (laughs) I come from a family of artists and writers. And when I wanted to do science, they were like, well, that's cool, but none of us even passed math. So like, good luck to you, basically. Um, So I started earth and ocean science so basically oceanography and geology um for my undergrad and I just knew that I wanted to work outside and rather shameful to say but I picked a university that I knew was close to a surf break you know what so valid that's completely valid and I have no regrets because it was a wonderful uni and um it was a great moment of like I remember meeting some of the lecture I'd done another course and dropped out or part of a course and I met one of the lecturers and it was like, she was really young. Like when I think about it now, I'm like, oh God, she was probably my age. But, um, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I could totally see being her. I want to live outside, do something useful for the environment. And um, so kind of fell into the degree, but absolutely loved it, made friends for life there. And then the thing that kind of happened while I was studying was I just kind of felt like part of the picture was missing. So obviously I knew all about ocean chemistry and then I knew about um, currents and kind of physics side of things and then did geology paleontology where we would have learned about animals but in the like um you know extinct sense so then actually learning I was like oh my god I need to actually learn about the fish that live in the ocean that's like the really obvious missing link here so um so I was working in the national aquarium part-time while I was in college and I kept doing that for a while and then one of the women I worked with went off to do a master's in marine biology and I just went yeah that's a great idea I'll do that next year so literally followed in her footsteps and went uh, moved to another part of Ireland then to do uh, that as well and that kind of got me into my mixed background and then what I do now specifically is actually just a little top-up course that I did that um, maybe some people have heard of or not but I'm a marine mammal observer so say that three times fast Um, I will not be I can't (laughs) um but yeah so basically it's my job when there's any kind of like surveys at sea or uh, any kind of marine construction, so even in ports or something like that, to make sure that marine mammals in the area are not harmed. So it's really, really nice, especially I think for anyone who's wondering about like, what kind of job could I do in marine biology where I don't have to cut up fish? Um, that would be a great one. <laughs> Good. To, I'm like making notes over here, like future jobs. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Don't have to kill anything. That's <laughs> I love that. I also just like have joked about this before, but I hate fish like all through my degree, I was like, I hate fish. I don't care about them. And all of my uni courses, I think there was one that was like marine mammal focused and the rest were like fish. And like, even my professors would be like, we know you hate fish. And I was like, yeah, like I hate them. Like, I don't care about them. Sorry. 
<laughs> oh my god I love it because it is it's only like 10% of the whole degree is mammals <laughs> yeah and I'm like I am a marine mammal girl that's the only thing I care about that's why I went into this Don't and like, listen I will talk trash about fish I appreciate them I know they're vital to the oceans and everything but I don't have to like them I don't have to care about them I mean I do, like I care about them but I don't you know like I want the best but I don't want to help them yeah, fair. but will 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 whale sharks get a look in just by the sheer proxy of their name? As a they might, fish? they might. I think really in terms of my fish, they're up there for my favorite. Like they're definitely, they're definitely fair. up there. I do. Sorry, there's some like fish I like, and when I'm diving, I'm like, oh my god, I love fish. But then I like think about fish and like have to study fish, and I'm like, mm, not for I me. I want to look at an otolith. Thanks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Marine Mammal Observer, I will be Googling yeah. jobs for that after we signed off yep, here. Sure. Just waiting to find my spot. <laughs> so what do you do when you're observing marine mammals? Like, are you making notes about where you see them? Are you just like telling someone like, how does your job work for that? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so it kind of depends on the contract. I got quite lucky that I live in like a, a relatively remote part of Ireland. Um, so kind of in the Northwest where the weather is as bad as possible um, and because there's not a lot of people who do my job in my area I've kind of um, I get a lot of the contracts for the local kind of big fishery sports so it's one of the biggest fishery sports in the country and because of two good things so obviously because of fisheries but also because of like um, offshore renewables being developed in the area there's kind of a lot of work on renovating the port so while they are doing things like um, you know pile driving to construct piers I will literally be standing on that pier, you know, full high vis, steel boots, ear protection. Like I look hilarious. I'm only five foot two, and then I'm wearing all this offshore gear, so I look like a little boy standing in the rain. Um, but um, but basically, I'll be there with like um, like a rangefinder for distance and binoculars, obviously. And then depending on the activity that's happening, I'm kind of watching a different area. So it's quite a, it's quite a passive job, um, and very to do with kind of. Um, First of all, whether you're seeing them and then obviously being able to identify them correctly. And then the nuance of it, which I really, really enjoy is, is behavior. Like it's your job to say, okay, has their behavior changed and is it affected by this noise? And if so, how much? And um, you're also like, like you become the least liked person on the job sometimes <laughs> because you are potentially holding up, you know, multi-million dollar projects where you're like, or your projects where you're like, sorry, there's a seal under the digger. <laughs> you have to stop. Um, the power but, you hold the yeah, power and yet you don't <laughs> but, um, they were like no tea for you you're like Fair enough. um but it's and it's also quite a cool job because um that that's kind of the on-land version and then at sea if uh say if a research ship or um, an exploration ship was doing any kind of seabed mapping um anything that uses um you know air guns stuff like that then, then you're doing the same kind of thing. So you're doing a watch from the crow's nest. So it's good to take seasick with Dobby. Be a person who doesn't get seasick. Very <laughs> handy part of the job because you're so high up. Um, and then you'll just do the same. You're watching a specific radius um, depending on the activity. And yeah, and you can see some really cool stuff. Um, so that one, when you're at sea, it's more like you're just spotting and identifying what it is um, because the ship is obviously moving. Um, yeah. So you're more just waiting for the thing to leave the area. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. That sounds so cool. I, I'm like ready to like apply for these jobs. Like I'm Googling this right after. I will, on my resume, will move everywhere. Can identify a whale. Like please. Yeah, totally. also. And, and it's also quite nice because you can end up 
you you get quite like so I was on a project for a year and a half so you can get quite integrated with the community as well and yeah. I loved having like um like I would end up doing a lot of seal rescues so not completely in the remit of the job but if you see one you're not gonna leave it there in the yeah so so quite a few rescues and it was really cool to have um I think it's always important to say like post seaspiracy like sea fishermen are getting a very bad name yeah it was all the small scale fishermen who are always like helping me chase a seal in the snow you know down a like slippy dock and helping me like get it into my car while we wait for the rescue services or oh, yeah. chasing oil covered seagulls to put them in a box and wash them and you know give them to a vet and all that kind of stuff oh my goodness yeah I'm so glad you brought up seaspiracy because I haven't even like I've gotten a good chunk of the way through it, but I just can't even like, I can't do it. It's just no, so. I, there's there's one really grim part where I just got my friend who's got a better stomach than I have to just be like, okay, tell me when my party's over. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, okay, thank you. Yeah. Sitting there with my ears plugged, my eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's one of those things that's like, yeah, there's some truth in certain parts of this, but also like take everything you're hearing with a grain of salt and like, like we say with everything do your own research understand the difference like yeah exactly like because because obviously like some of the bits have been debunked already yeah many years before they were even used and then the thing that I could never understand when they're talking about Tai Chi was just like there's a whole movie about this already it's called Cove came out in 2009 come on get to it like the research is there use it like Yeah, yeah love it I'm also glad that you have such a mixed background and brought that up I think it's so fun and so important to share with people who might be considering going into this that you don't have to know from the moment you're born that you're meant to be a mermaid like there's no <laughs> like you don't have to have that set out you can kind yeah. of figure it out as you go and I feel like sometimes in the marine world specifically there's very like there's so many people that are like I knew from the time that I was young and I like I'm one of those I was born with gills I was yeah yeah exactly (laughs) no I'm one of those people that knew by the time I was in like I hit like I think grade 11 and 12 I was like oh I can do this as a job like that's what I want to pursue but I also will say like I've questioned it through my time in this I'm like do I really want to do this like do I just want to do this because I like the ocean or do I want to do this because I can see myself working it's hard it's hard as well eh? I had a I had a quarter life crisis and opened a bakery Oh yeah. And then I went back to working in Marine Okay. Corps. Yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> because I was just, because it was kind of in the year, two years after finishing college, I had done like a couple of contracts at sea. I don't talk about this that much. I did a couple of contracts at sea and it was just so grim. The state of the oceans was so grim and the degree to which, you know, compared to now, like nobody was talking about it in the news. You're like, we're already seeing all the climate change stuff that's being talked about in 2021 in like 2013. And, and I was just like, okay, well, if nobody's going to do anything about it because they care about animals or they care about giving this any publicity, then I'm going to go start a zero waste company so that without ever telling anyone that it's environmentally friendly, they won't realize that they're eating plant-based, locally grown, plastic-free, sustainable supply chain stuff. (laughs) And then after about a year of that, I had started to give the kind of more sustainability talks. I'd rebranded my stuff to Saltwater Stories. And I was like, okay, they give a shit now. I'll go back to working. Okay, I'll care about this. Everyone's right on board. Let's go. I I love, okay, first of all, I just love that you just were like, okay, my go-to starting a bakery. Love that. That's my backup plan. That just absolutely kills me. But I also love that you were like, it's secretly going to be plant-based and and I feel like 
so much or so often we see like so forward like plant-based plastic free and it's like do, why do we need a disclaimer for that like why can't it just be it should be the norm it's like why can't it like not even like if someone comes in and is like oh like i'm plant-based just be like yeah, okay take your pick like there's anything in here like i don't think there yeah, needs to be a disclaimer it. It kind of turns people who aren't plant-based feeders off exactly of yeah and i think there's and i'm also i'm i have celiac disease so like it was always the assumption that if I was going to make something for somebody and it was going to be gluten-free, then it was always going to be like a not as good version. So then yeah. it was like, if I just don't tell people and no then they like knows. it, then they don't need to worry about it. They'll just be like, hmm, I don't feel bloated. That's interesting. Yeah, oh yeah. Just, it's yeah. so, it's like, I, I it's in the mind <laughs> a lot of the time. You tell the line of like, I'm directly lying to you versus just like, I just haven't said this in yet. Mission. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like, I feel like when people, my dad, he's a big meat eater. Like he, he very meat and potatoes kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And one day I was making these, like the beyond meat sausages and like, I didn't say anything. And I was like, Oh, do you want to, yeah, you crazy, sausage? Yeah. and he like ate it. He's like, yeah, this is really good. I was like, ha tricked you plant-based. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, I didn't even like it. And I was like, yes, you did. No, oh, you. did. Yeah, no. And I think, but, and I think it, that's one of the things that's so cool about like stuff like beyond meat, because the burger is too meaty for me like it freaked me out I didn't want to eat it but I'm so happy that it's there for someone who's gonna miss beef you know like I didn't like beef so that's cool but for the you know my husband I'm like I'm really happy that you have that now yeah exactly that's an option (laughs) yeah Uh, also I feel like I've had this conversation with so many different people but like my dad again going back to him we were talking about it when I was plant-based like heavily heavily plant-based I was like yeah it's really nice to have like a fast food option he's like well it's not healthy I was like, not all well, plants supposed to be, yeah, healthy. Like, I want to be able to. Eat. Like, I'm not gonna eat it every day. I wish yeah. I could, but like, I just, I was like, I don't need it to be healthy. I need it to be an option when all my friends are like, oh, let's grab something quick on the road, yeah. that I don't have to go to McDonald's and get fries that have been soaked in beef broth. So I'm not even plant. What? That's a thing. Oh, I did not know. Oh, that I don't know. know if it's everywhere. I know it's like the U.S. for sure. Like, please don't quote me on that. Anyone listening. But um, I know like at one point, like I, I was eating French fries and someone told me that and I was like, <laughs> oh, you're like, is it worse to waste the packet? And I was like, <laughs> I can't waste it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's just, it's an option to have when you're out with your yeah. friends and like, you can actually eat a meal rather than what plant-based options do you have? Oh, a salad with three leaves. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That always happens to me with the gluten-free as well. They're like, the salad's gluten-free. You're like, yeah, but am I faint between here and the next place I go? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. We got digress. We digress into food, but it always happens. Yeah. Here we are chatting about plant-based foods. <laughs> Love it. So you mentioned that you transitioned from your bakery into Saltwater Stories. What is Saltwater Stories? Oh, okay. So Saltwater Stories is my, I guess, my social media and website. And so when I did my random segue into food that we mentioned um <laughs> everything was um thins fit food and then the bakery was millish and then i would say maybe oh four years ago now yeah jesus time flies um about four years ago i was like do you know what it's not very popular but i i don't just want to keep talking about food i want to talk about my work in marine science i want to talk about sustainability we need to talk about climate change this may tank my whole business but i can't not talk about it anymore so I changed I made a new website I changed the name of social media I did lose a few contracts in the start and then um and then it was just got the most amazing reaction and um of of I guess 
it's not a like it's so cool like like your podcast and stuff now but it, like it felt like at the time people didn't talk about working in marine science or people didn't talk about climate change the way we talk about it so openly now it was like a bit more niche or just a bit mysterious is not the right word but like you know it was kind of like if I said oh I'm marine science people like yeah but what do you actually do like day to day what are you doing um so that was really cool to chat about and and then it kind of just went on from there so each year um it became more and more showing my actual work and then also giving talks and stuff around marine science so that's a big part of my work now too is kind of giving talks for groups and events I love that what what is it about like scientific communication and just like talking to people like that that makes it so worth it for you like what's the selling point it's it's like the ability to translate I think I feel like science and especially if you think of like how a scientific paper or something is written like even ones that don't mean to be it's so jargon heavy that um being able to go okay well I'm going to read this paper I'm going to read this IPCC report and then I'm going to give it to you in a way that's actually digestible so as opposed to just being really overwhelmed or confused you are like oh okay here's what I can take away from that and here's what I can do Um, and I really like that even in college like I used to write when I would work at sea or, or even in college I would write for the blogs for the university and a lot of the times the criticism I would get would be they were like but it's not scientific enough and I'm like but it's not scientists reading it like you know that's it's, it's for the rest of the uh, society to read that's it like 100% I remember being told once that the difference between a good scientific paper and a bad scientific paper is if like a person in fifth grade could read it and understand it I love it yes exactly because even if I look at the one for my own thesis that and like stuff I've done for conferences I'm like no no fifth grade is reading that like I've, I've done a bad job it's not translating well I feel like we get so caught up in like the jargony and like sounding intelligent and proving to other scientists that we deserve our spot where it's like we should be using this to like dismantle this growing inaccessibility of science like rather than having this title that's like 30 words long and all of them are I can't even read them just have it that kind of goes back to the interdisciplinary thing as well because I remember once realizing that like oh, okay, I can, I can read a geologist paper and I can read a biologist paper and I can read an oceanographer's paper. So that's pretty cool. But even working at sea, sometimes I remember we were looking at cold, off-water, uh, sorry, offshore um, cold water coral mines. So like um, there's a lot of really beautiful coral reefs in the deep sea um, on Ireland's continental shelf. And one of the geologists was getting so excited about the shape of the mound and he was like coming up with all these theories and he had all these interesting plans and he's like oh my god I could make a little research about this and then I was really nervous to interrupt because I was only a master's student everybody else was like postdocs and then eventually I just had to he kept going and I just had to be like it's just because of the current direction and he was like sorry I was like it just grows that way because that's where the water is and they're getting food and he was like oh I was like, yeah that's it and they were like oh so I was like imagine if there was interdisciplinary communication yeah really though yeah Yeah. oh it's amazing I I love that you're just like um and like as a master's student you almost like don't want to do that because oh totally I was like I'm gonna get so much trouble you're gonna hate me you're like I was like I brought brought a lot of yeah I brought loads of sweets and chocolate so that was good (laughs) I'm sorry look we're all at sea for two months I brought the sweets lovely (laughs) I love that It was a very good bit of advice I got from another PhD student. He, I was like, what do I need to know about my first time at sea? And he was like, be the person who brings the sweets. I was like, sounds. He's like, do you smoke? I was like, no. He's like, okay, we'll also be the person who brings the cigarettes if you smoke. I was like, 
okay, cool. Perfect. perfect. Like I love con- that. The contraband that gets really important by week six. How long were you usually at sea for, like when you were out there? Um, kind of up to six weeks. I never did like, which is a pretty long stint, but but like um, I remember playing for one once that I'm kind of right in retrospect happy enough I didn't get. That was like a six month um, trans equatorial cruise. So it would have left from Southampton in England and gone all the way down the coast of Africa, stopped in Cape Town, maybe, and then continued on to Antarctica. I just want to go to Antarctica, basically. Yeah, you know Someday. what? You <laughs> Someday. You really want to get all the way down there, like just completely leave where you are and go to the yeah. complete opposite side of the globe. I love that. I respect yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, maybe I'll find a faster way than six months on a ship. They do have planes now. Yeah. That's yeah. very promising. Yeah, for sure. Six months on a ship. That is, I can't even imagine. Well, and probably longer because it was just six months down and then you probably have to go at least another month to somewhere else to be able to fly back because normally then they swap out crew. Yeah. That's, I think I'd lose my mind. I say as I like want to do those jobs, but also like. Oh no, it's really cool. And like they do like crazy um, rituals when you cross, when you cross the the equator, like they hold on to like a party for Neptune. I love it okay I will be applying for these jobs after we're done here like can't (laughs) love that Uh, however we have gone on another little tangent I feel like this podcast is gonna be absolutely I'm so sorry if it's so long (laughs) no no so what do you do with saltwater stories like you I love following you it's always so fun and that makes me like in the best way I always hate saying this people because it sounds so weird but you have like the saltiest soul I love it like I like look at your like Instagrams and I'm like oh I feel like I'm by the ocean right now I feel like I'm being salty and I love it I love it so like what are you sharing on your platform so I suppose um depending on the month like sometimes I'll be sharing more like full-on scientific information where I'm like here I am and I'm in killy bags and I'm looking at gray seals and it's popping season as this that or the other and then other times it might just be like you said, like come along for a swim, come along for a dive. Or um, if I do any kind of, it's like, haha, funny to say this the last two years. When I do any kind of travel, I try to share like how I'm doing it sustainably. Or anytime I swap out kit, I'm like, okay, I've managed to find a, an affordable, you know, Gulex rubber wetsuit. So it, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a smorgasbord of everything, I guess. So it, it's a work, but then yeah, just life by the sea or under it, I guess as well. And then I guess like kind of, I always, I remember like when I was diagnosed celiac, it was when I was in college and I was always really annoyed that the kind of health food movement was quite elitist and expensive. And so I, I guess with the same thing in mind with the kind of more sustainability movement as well, I want to show that like buying all the fanciest stuff is not how to be sustainable Yeah, and, and also not feasible for like 99% of the planet. So you all like there absolutely is no reason that you should be paying like $20 like I know food insecurity and food deserts are a thing but $20 for like a bag of chia seeds is just yeah insanity yeah no so it's it's trying to find debunk stuff that needs to be debunked and finding ways around things like that um and then and obviously that it can be a hard balance sometimes because when I'm not doing marine work like uh talks or Instagram is my um source of income so then I I would obviously be very cognizant of like the brands that I'll work with and I'll be really clear that like I only work with ones that I've vetted really well or I've used for years or 
you know, it's not, I'm not just going to try to sell people crap. They don't need to literally hate that. So yeah, absolutely. That's the brands that I work with water women. I'm very selective. Like I've worked with, I think like maybe three or four and it's because I'm like, I don't use your products. I have no need for more products. Like, or you'll be like, you'd be, if you said yes to everything, you'd be like 25 million water bottles in, whereas like, this is the same banged up one from yeah. my friend's company that they gave me like seven years ago. And I'm like, it's steel. So it's going to last forever. Yeah, exactly. And you're another that, one. Why do you need another one? If you have that one? Like, I mean, I say that as I think I have like 30 water bottles, but like. <laughs> That's accumulated over my entire life. Okay. I don't get rid of them. I have them all. Like they're just, and I, for long trips. I, I'm the favorite when we go out on like long boat days. Cause I have like four water bottles and I'm like, these are all for me. Sorry. You guys should have brought your own. Yeah. One for everyone else and three for me. I need to be <laughs> hydrated, but it's so like, to work with brands it's like why would I want to support your brand if I don't use it I've, I had like one really awkward incident where um I got really excited about a particular brand they had like kind of plastic free cosmetics and so then we had like planned an activation together and I was like oh this is exciting like from literally the ground up like supporting women no plastic blah 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 and then they were like oh actually we want you to use this one too and like they sent it on the last day and it was like plastic refill stuff and I was like oh I don't really Using that literally the whole point of the other thing was no plastic that's when people when there's like refill things I'm like oh this is awesome and then if the refills come in plastic I'm like what's the point like I'm wasting yeah. more honestly like, yeah because that's it because I think often the excuse is like okay well the refill is like 90% less plastic than the other one and you're like yeah but now it's a soft plastic it's harder to recycle yeah yeah like just find a way to I'd rather buy 17 cardboard packages than two refills that are soft plastic exactly. like it's just well and like here in Ireland like soft plastic literally is has only been announced to be recyclable here this week no way yeah that's super exciting but now it's recyclable but also I always I have some I have some beef with recyclable plastic and it's because it's only recyclable if people recycle it and no one does and recycle it properly yeah exactly which also seems like a waste of water yep yeah double-edged sword but like people are like, oh, this plastic's recyclable. And I'm like, okay, like how much of it is actually getting recycled? Because I know- The average, I the average is like 14%. Like- oh, Pretty grim. That's awful. That's a global average. Yeah, I know. I hate Sorry. that. But I know- that a happy thing next. <laughs> I've been bad for like, I'll get something and I'm like, I justify it because I'm like, oh, this plastic's recyclable. And then I'm like, I don't know how to recycle it here. Like, I just like, I have good intentions, but then it gets to the point where I'm like, I don't know when the recycling day is. I don't think I have a bend for recycling right now. Like- I just don't know how to do it. So I end up, it goes in the trash. And then I feel immense guilt. I can never do that again. (laughs) So on a happier note, if you had one, kind of on the same note, like if you had one reusable product or product that you like could not live without, that's your sustainable product, what would it be? What is your like all-time favorite? I think we have to say like aside from water bottles. Cause I feel like- Yeah, I know, I know. I was like, I'm like the weirdest thing the, the two things that came to my mind I'm like that's a really random choice um I was like Birkenstocks and a backpack no <laughs> no that's definitely not what you meant um that's really hard that's a hard one because I I don't and I'm curious to know probably other people have the same issue as well Is like I'll have like a reusable lifelong thing that in theory is a reusable lifelong thing and then I will lose it yep yep so, I did have, but no longer have, 
um, like a fantastic, like dinner version of like a reusable bottle. So say like, oh, look, we use things to, so say like your normal steel bottle, but like wide and squat okay. so that you could like, and like really well insulated. So like, say, especially for like working in the port and stuff. Sometimes I'm working in a place that has a side office, like, you know, like a prefab building, but sometimes like I'm sitting in a shipping container <laughs> that's empty <laughs> with like a window cut in the wall. Um, so there's no electricity. And so I'll always try to like bring hot food for my lunches and stuff. Cause my days are pretty long. Um, so it was like, yeah, it was a food version of a water bottle of a steel bottle. So, cause then I could have like hot curry or like hot porridge in the morning and stuff. So that was definitely my, that and a spork. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sports yeah. underrated. underrated. Yeah. yeah, there's all these like, I, like, and same thing again. I got the, you know, heel, the bamboo reusable set, lost half the things, broke one of them, put something in a dishwasher. And then I'm like, you know what? Generally speaking, the airport will let you through with a spork. <laughs> so I've just got a good steel one. So just basic everything in very boring steel that is drop proof and usually allowed at the airport. So I love that. <laughs> I love that. I do. I do resonate with the losing everything. Like I want like those. I, for so long was like, okay, I need these reusable makeup pads that I can like take my makeup off with. And after losing, I think like seven of them, I was like, you know what? A face cloth, a face cloth works just fine. fine. And it's washable. Yeah, Yeah. no, completely. No. And I think that's what happened is I was lose those like little rounds in the washing machine. Like I'd put them in like a delicate bag and then I'd put like four in and I'd come out with one and I'd be like, where did you go? Where'd you go? It's probably not probably not good for the machine either. No. Um, no, and, and I guess well, like what are other like ride or die items? Um I think those are the main ones of just like that get used across all my stuff. I think I remember the first time I invested in like my first decent wetsuit, and then a couple of years last year actually, um I I had like I had accumulated many across many, many different brands and I was like, I want a sustainable one and I just sold all my wetsuits, cleaned them very well. And then sold them all secondhand. We have like um, a really good Facebook group in Ireland for kind of surf equipment and secondhand oh, nice. surf equipment. So all of my old wetsuits paid for my two good new ones. So I got them from um, quite a cool brand in Portugal where they like make it all sustainably. It's natural oh. rubber. And because they don't have a physical store, it's quite affordable, like compared to. Comparative. Compared to, yeah. 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 That's compared awesome. to most sustainable brands. So I guess those are big ones as well because I get I use it for everything it could be used for work or surfing or diving or I don't have any kind of fancy free diving wetsuit it's just my wetsuit with like a weights belt slapped on it and that's it there you go why do you need a fancy one you don't need a fancy one you're gonna get wet you're fine yeah yeah exactly I'm gonna be relatively warm it's not like you need to be that flexible anyway so (laughs) I did invest I did treat myself to a proper pair of free diving fins yeah maybe like a week or two ago after like a year spent in basically um snorkeling fins and carrying around a rock <laughs> underwater I was like I will treat myself to a weight belt a proper free diving weight belt and a proper set of fins so I love that. very well deserved yeah I was like you have to earn them first <laughs> <laughs> that was like a pair of good free diving fins was like my Christmas gift last year I think but my parents oh, were like we wanted you to like pick them out and everything and I was like so I'm holding off until I move somewhere where I can actually free dive comfortably like and not like the Bay of Fundy, where I live, absolutely phenomenal for wildlife and everything. It's beautiful. I like. I'm so lucky every day that I get to live on it. However, the visibility is uh, approximately zero at all times. Okay. Like I can't, <laughs> can't see your hand in front of your face. You might get one day where it's like beautiful visibility. It's not often. 
Okay. I'm going to have all my diving friends here, like come at me and be like, the Bay of Fundy is awesome. What are you talking about? (laughs) And is it the weird thing of like, um, I'm just thinking of like normal diving as well. I was living uh, in uh, an island, well, Portuguese island, but it's off the coast of Africa last winter. Um, And you had to drop through the visibility layer, basically, or the invisibility layer. That sounds like Harry Potter. But basically you would have to drop through the first like, 30, 40 meters that seem to have like, I guess, I'm trying to think of what the particular would have been. I guess it's plankton or sediment or something from the near shore, but you then would drop below and it was the weirdest feeling. It was like dropping through a cloud. But obviously you wouldn't want to do that free diving because that's pretty deep. But like, <laughs> but it was, but for actual diving, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, you'd be like, this is, yeah, okay, that was nice. Then I go back up there. But like, it was crazy because I remember doing one dive on a, a wreck and you're like, I'm just going through a cloud I'm going through a cloud and then the wreck just appeared out of nowhere and it was like ah I'm not ready for this <laughs> I love that just like, like go ship what a weird feeling that must be oh it's so strange and there there's like all the diving is hardcore like it's there's no like oh I'm gonna go for a nice 10 meters and look at lovely fish and tropical warm water it's like warmest 18 degrees and everything is 30 meters plus like you always have to do a safety stop and like it's dark I love anyway. it. <laughs> no, I sell it well. Madeira is a beautiful island. You <laughs> yeah, you're really making me like want to dive in Ireland for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, this is an island. This is this is this is Portugal. Oh, Portugal, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Better, better, but yeah, I love it. So, what are your favorite ways to spend time in the ocean? Like we've talked about diving, you've said surfing. Like, what are your what if you could do one for the rest of your life? What would it be? I actually think it would be free diving. Like I th- and I am such a baby at it. Like if I even show anyone who actually free dives my swim, like they'll probably be like, it would be my equivalent of being like, oh, that's like a foamy softboard for surfing. Um, I'm sure that's what they are. But it was definitely, I guess in the year of like lockdown and stuff, like when we were living in Portugal, when we were living in Madeira, like I would surf or we would do whatever. But it, it's, it felt like the most way to just be in the ocean. Like whether you're thinking about it in terms of obviously I can, I can be on the water for work or I can be on the water to go surfing or I can be in the water for a swim. But it, it, felt, like, it felt like the way that you're the, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it. There's no pressure on yourself. You're not trying to achieve something or show off is not the right way. But like, I feel like I can be quite nervous surfing. Like it's a very, there's yeah. always so many people in the water. You know, you're, you're very conscious of what people are thinking or how people move around you. Whereas like when a friend of mine just got out just got fins and started diving on like the reef. I've got a reef quite, I'm very lucky behind my house. I'm pointing at it. No one can see that. There's a reef behind my house. Um, and when the water is really, really calm, like it's beautiful there and there's huge kelp beds and loads of different fish and um, in, but kind of either direction from where I live in about 10 minutes, again, there's kind of these beautiful um, big limestone pavements that just like stick out into the water and they've all got kelp reefs on them. So just kind of floating around in them in the stress that is like, 2021 and you know obviously COVID and everything it was just the most lovely feeling to just like be under the water and chill out so there's no feeling quite like it where you can just like yeah be in the water with no pressure like you said like it's just enjoying it and not worrying about your air worrying about the people around you for surfing like Mm -hmm. I know when I'd surf like I'm not a good surfer like I just I enjoy it I have fun I'm not good at it and I know like there was one time my friend took me surfing and there was like a bunch of people there and I was like I don't want to go like it's just it's yeah. not 
and like I will say like the surf community great for being like wow you've improved so much like you're doing awesome but it's still like I don't like I'm watching you and then I watch yeah. myself and it's just I don't like it like it's a lot of pressure yeah no and, it can, and I think it can completely depend on the day as well like I had a little bit of an accident when we were in Madeira in the surf and it definitely scared me in a way that I'd never had before so like I'm I'm not surfing the same reefs and stuff that I used to I, I just accept that I've chickened out a bit I'm like you know what it's fine you, life changes but um yeah it is is that thing of just no expectation and then also like you know a fit, like a weights belt and a set of beginner fins like that's not setting you back a whole lot of money versus mm-hmm. like thinking of like if you're going for a full-on proper scuba and you've got your dive computer and your you know bcd and the big huge wetsuit and just all that lumbering gear where you feel like a little turtle on your way down to the water as opposed to just like i've got a mask i don't even use a snorkel i've got a mask i've got fins i've got a belt that's it yeah it's stuff that you can like keep in your car too so you can do it like on the go like i i'm a big advocate for this like in the back of my car right now i think i have two sleeping bags a tent a paddleboard a set of golf clubs like i'm ready for anything honestly also oh golf clubs cool <laughs> and i love i love just like being able to do that at any moment in time like just yeah like yeah i could go for a dive right now if i feel like it like i yeah. definitely have like four or five bathing suits in the back of my car which like always speaks to the point of how many bathing suits do i really need but uh i don't want to talk about that i don't so that would definitely be that would definitely be the favorite one right now for sure yeah I love that and then I guess my last question before we kind of wrap this up is what advice would you have for a young woman listening who wanted to kind of do what you do like the scientific communication and sharing her passion for the ocean what would be your piece of advice I guess it would be start early so like I I've noticed a really cool thing that happened sideways out of um a rant I did about seaspiracy um, on on Instagram was I think before um, because I had started on my social media in the kind of very foodie world I didn't realize how many people like us like yourself and myself are out there in the in the marine space um, you know I knew of like obviously very famous people like Kimmy Werner or Ocean Ramsey but like I didn't know even within Ireland how many people were kind of operating in that space and I and just from doing that video I had so many girls reach out from people who are at secondary school level you know thinking of studying marine science people are studying in college and wondering what work they're going to do and then like early career scientists as well I was like oh this is so exciting there's tons of people out there so I think it's like finding other people who do what you would like to do it's yeah. a huge one and um, like i never heard of a marine mammal observer when I was college no one ever talked about this job mm-hmm. I did it as a random top-up course with the Irish Island Dolphin Group because I just wanted to keep my foot in the marine space and I just wanted to meet other scientists and never expected it to turn into work so and then in, if people are interested specifically in the communicator space um well for starters is like obviously getting comfortable in this kind of like media stuff and getting yeah. used to using social media obviously microphones and stuff like what we've got now um I started out um my first marine job was in the National Aquarium and it was really cool to see even secondary school um high school students come in and do their volunteering there and then the ones that were maybe a little bit more confident and stuff would have a go sometimes at taking over our um our talks and stuff so it meant that you know by the time that they would be in college doing their marine degree and then maybe looking for science communicator jobs um they already had all that experience and they were already comfortable talking with groups and stuff so yeah, yeah start early for sure absolutely I love that I love 
the advice of being comfortable talking to groups. I think it is so important and just being comfortable talking, like, even if you want to pursue like science in academia, like it's going to help you to present like just the confidence of like, when I present, I have the worst, the, not the worst imposter syndrome, like honestly the opposite. Like I have God complex. Like when I'm presenting, I'm like, nobody knows more about this than I do. Is it true? Absolutely not. Do I need to hear that? Yeah. Like I tell myself, I'm like, nobody has ever heard of a whale before. Like I'm the only one that knows anything about these. And it helps because I go into this presentation and I'm like, you guys are so blessed to be learning. Well, and I, I think as well, like, I think it's really important to, and I'm thinking of, say, example, for example, like when you um, interviewed Sylvia Earl, like there is always going to be somebody who knows more about whatever it is than you. My baptism by fire of presentation was I was in my um, master's year. I got a scholarship to um, have my abstract in a conference in Europe. And I went over and I had to present it. So I had to present my master's thesis. Everybody else was PhD or higher, postdoc or researcher. And they were all experts in my field. (laughs) So I was like this little kindergartner (laughs) presenting a section to, to like high school students. Um, because they were all coral experts and like some of them had been working in the field as long as I had been alive (laughs) so with that in mind I'm like if you just accept that and you're like okay so maybe I'll have a new angle maybe I'll have a fresh idea I will learn from them and if anyone wants a horror story to know that you will be fine I was asked the most simple question and I blanked completely I was just asked what species did you see? Like I had massive lists of species databases. I could have said like hundreds of different macrofauna and my brain just went do, 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 filing her nails. Sorry, what did you want? I'm not listening. And um, and I just had to like in front of this massive auditorium, you know, all the lights are on you. I just was like, um, I'm really sorry, but my mind has gone blank, but can I come back to you later? oh no that's but like you're still fine you survived exactly and that's the point that's what I wanted to say to her I was absolutely fine it was absolutely fine and every presentation since knock on wood has been great because I'm like could be worse you could blank in front of like 200 experts and nobody cared and nobody died and nobody made fun of me and I think someone got me a glass of wine later to be like sorry about that I hope you're all right Science, scientists are human. We all understand it. And like that, like I said, I go into like this, these presentations with the God complex. That's just for my own personal, like, that's how I deal with it. But then like, as soon as the presentation ends and we enter like questions and like comments, I'm like, I know nothing. Um, Please tell me everything. Like, please like be willing to accept criticism. Be willing to mess up like that. Be willing to be like, I am answering a question with, I have no idea can sometimes be the best thing in the world. Well, and I I think as well, and I'm sure you probably find it, say, obviously, with marine mammals being your specialty is if you say you're a marine scientist or marine biologist, everybody assumes, you know, absolutely everything about every animal that's ever graced the seas. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's fair enough to be like, well, actually, like I specialize in seals or like, um, I know a little bit about jellyfish and I can tell you this, but like, I can't tell you what the protein was and how to denature the sting. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, yeah. I know. Like the thing with... um masters and PhDs is like I feel like people don't realize that it's like a funnel like as you're going through it it's just like you know a lot about one specific thing and then everything else is like I don't I don't know I can use some critical thinking skills here but uh, it's my best guess (laughs) yeah no totally I think yeah people don't realize the funnel and like in fairness I'm actually in the process of applying for a PhD now because I'm a complete glutton for punishment um (laughs) and I I was 
nearly exactly like that trying to find the most opposite like I was like I want to find something that's as broad as possible in the kind of field of climate mitigation so that I don't just end up being like okay I'm an expert in one type of coral in the deep sea in Ireland which is nearly what happened so I'm like no keep it broad and useful yeah absolutely well Finn thank you so much for joining me today it's been so fun to get to have this huge talk with you and pick your brain and hear your stories it's been so fun getting to hang out with you and thank you so much for having me. And I'm so sorry if we went so off topic so many times. Just good chats. <laughs> I love it. So if people wanted to follow along with you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, yep. So I am saltwaterstories.me, um, M for Mike, uh, E for Echo, on Instagram. And then I am only a newly burgeoning baby uh, Twitter user because I realized that that's where all the scientists are. Um, so I would love to hear from people over there. So I'm Finn Vander R um, on Twitter as well. And then my website is all the same, Saltwater Stories. Awesome. And those will all be linked in the bio of the podcast as well. So make sure you go check out Finn and all her amazing stories. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Water Women podcast. I love sharing these stories with you and I love that you love to listen. Make sure if you like the podcast, you're leaving a review and liking and subscribing to the podcast. It really helps us out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also check out more from us, including quizzes, blog posts, and shop our site at waterwomenpodcast.ca. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, stay salty.